we thank you, God, that you love us. Thank you that you call us by name and you ask us to simply follow you. God, everywhere we go, new mercies we see. The mercy and grace that you show us, God, it's unfathomable. We struggle to understand it. So God, just as we look at your word now, may you just encourage us, may you challenge us, and may you just shape us in your image. Allow us to know who you really are. A God compassionate and kind and caring, but also jealous and fierce, and, and you are the Lion of Judah. So God, just be with us as we look at your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we were, we're looking through the book of Philippians, and we've now got the chapter two. So we've done the first three sermons on chapter one, and now we're on to chapter two. So we'll just start actually by reading the first two verses. We'll pause, and then we'll review a bit, and then we'll look on through at what this passage wants to teach us. It says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing of the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. See, my challenge to you is, what does Christianity mean to you? What does it actually mean? See, we've been looking through this book of Philippians the last couple of um, weeks. Also, many of you have been in your own journey with God, probably even a lot longer than I've been born, for, for quite a few of you. And how much, whenever you reflect on what you've learned and happened on your journey, how much do you actually sit down and, and take note and actually look how far God's brought you from the person you once were to the person you are now? Do you, do you sit down and do that? Do you do it regularly? Do you know how far you've actually come? See, we just looked at, the, in the first chapter, we looked at three simple topics. The first one was living in thankfulness. Living in thankfulness to God. We're supposed to be thankful to God, aren't we? Yeah, we're supposed to be thankful for what He does and what He's doing in our lives. And then we're supposed to be thankful for others who are inspiring us and journeying with us. And then we, um, we give them thanks and praise and we actually encourage them. And then, you see, we looked at God using all the purposes of our life, everything that happens within our life. God wants to take that and shape it and mold it for good. Use it for good. Because if you look at some of the mess that we have to walk through in life, you look around and you sometimes go, how can this be any good? How can God make anything good out of this? Look at the mess I've made of this. Or look at the mess that I've had to go through. Because sometimes the mess that we have to go through is not of our making, is it? Sometimes it is. And we have to hone up to it. But God wants to take us that, take us through that. So even if we end up in chains or even dead, God can use all the things in our life for his glory. Isn't that encouraging? It does say for me to live is Christ, to die is better. In other words, it's better as a Christian if you really believe and you're going to be in heaven with Jesus. It's actually better to, to die. 
But you know what? While we're still alive, we don't wish for death. We don't bring it upon ourselves, but we serve God until our death. You see, it's for our good that God can use all these things. Why? Because God wants to make us with character. God wants to make you as an upright person. So do we actually live up to the expectations that God has placed on us? Do you feel like in your own life you live up to even your own expectations? See, this is a challenge that we all must face. Do we actually live a life worthy of the calling we've received? If Jesus turns around to us, which he does do, and says, follow me, do you actually live up to the expectation? See, can we really say in a fair reflection of our own life that we really love God the way we ought to? That we really loved our neighbors the way we ought to? That we've really made a difference the way we ought to? And that's what Paul basically teaches us in this first chapter of Philippians. He basically challenges them. And that's why he starts with the word therefore. Because I was always taught whenever you see therefore, you've got to ask what's it there for? So you look at the chapter before, you look at the journey they've been on, and you actually take it from there. So this word is there to highlight what's just been said. See, as a consequence of what Paul's just said, he basically says, does any of you care less about walking with God? It's quite a direct challenge. Has any of what's been said made an impact in you? If you've received any encouragement from your walk with God, if you've received any comfort, if you've received any fellowship with the Spirit, if you've received any tenderness or compassion, then actually allow me to celebrate with you by actually letting the message change you and renew you. See, that's the joy. Whenever we come and we give our lives to God, He doesn't leave us as a mess. He doesn't leave us as a broken person. He starts to rebuild us. He starts to build us up and renew us and renew our minds. It says that, doesn't it? We're supposed to renew our minds daily. In other words, forget to yesterday. You can't change the past. If you're going to live in the past, then you, you're never going to live because the past was yesterday. You can't change it. But we are meant to be changeable and adaptable and following the love of God every single day. It's a daily act. See, he says, would you actually love each other the way you ought to? Why? How much are we meant to love each other? We're actually meant to love each other as much as Jesus loved the church. So how much did Jesus love the church? Well, not even the church. How much does he love the individual? Every single one of you, he loves you so much that he actually died. He actually came down, lived, and died so that we can be in right relationship with God. Isn't that encouraging? That God loves you so much that Jesus actually came down and died so that we can actually be in a right relationship with God again. So that the mistakes that we've made, the sins that we've made can actually be washed away. If Jesus died for the church, then what he's saying is, would you actually think alike and stop thinking about your own ways? Stop being so focused on you and start actually living as one in the Holy Spirit. He says, stop thinking about your own ways, your own plans, your own purposes. You thinking you've planned all this stuff for your own life. 
But you know what? God's saying, I want to do something totally different. See, do we actually live our life like that? Going, God, I'm going to hold everything with open hands. And if you want to change something, if you want to move something, then do it. Or are we worried about our own likes and dislikes? But God, I like that, but I didn't like this. I like that style of worship, but I didn't like that style of worship. I like the way she preached, but I didn't like the way he preached. You know, and you can go on, couldn't you? I like it whenever things are the way I like it. And I honestly believe God says to you, who cares what you think? Honestly, sometimes we need to come to the reality of that God's thoughts are not our thoughts. God's ways aren't our ways. God's plans aren't our plans. And he says that to every single one of us. Think about God. Think about how much he loves you. Do we really think that our thoughts and our opinions matter to God? It's a hard thought. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't care about us. I'm not saying he doesn't love us. I'm not saying he doesn't want to help us through everything. And yes, he does listen to our thoughts and opinions and all that. He loves us so much. But sometimes he loves us so much that he actually draws us away from our own selves. Because sometimes whenever we're in a bad place, all we can think about is negative things. And sometimes what's no more than a molehill in front of us looks like a mountain because of where it's placed. See, this is why God does challenge us. From verse 3, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, Jesus didn't care about having things his own way. Did he? Would he have led the life he had led if he really cared about his own way? If you don't believe me, read any of the prayers that Jesus prayed. They're very, very rarely for himself. And actually, one of the only times that he did pray for himself, it was just before he went to the cross, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he was actually crying out to God the Father in heaven, and he was saying, is there another way? I don't want to die. Is there another way? But if there's no other way, I submit to your will. That's what he prayed. Not my will, but yours be done. Can you really pray that? Can you really think like that with your life? You see, we as a culture, we are so selfish about our own opinions and about our own thoughts. And we think that our own opinions and thoughts are, you know, are so right. See, we aren't supposed to think like ourselves. We're supposed to think like Jesus. 
We're not supposed to act like ourselves. We're not supposed to act like Jesus. As I said, we are quite a narcissistic generation. Like if you had told people 30 or 40 years ago that you're going to have your own digital page online, that people can go on and see your opinions, your views, things you like, things you dislike, and all this, they would literally burst out laughing going, who cares what you think? Like this whole idea, the whole idea is driven behind social media actually are quite narcissistic because we all think that our opinion matters so much. Now, I know some of you in this room probably don't struggle with that. But you know what? Like, but, but the thing is, we all, we all have things that we struggle with, though. We all have the, our own opinions about things, and we sometimes let all of that drive us instead of the love of God. See, are we really ready to serve like Jesus served? Are you really ready to love people the way they're meant to be loved? Literally, to death. Jesus loved you to death. We're meant to love others to death. And honestly, it might get to the point where if we actually serve people in the love of God, that we might actually need to go to prison like Paul, or we might even need to lay down our life for that person. Are you willing to do that also that they can know the love of God? See, Jesus, who was God, Jesus was the Son of God, and it says in John 3.16, For God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus. You know, and so Jesus had come from heaven, and he had all of the authority of God because he was God. It says at the start of John that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was God, and the Word was with God. It was with God in the beginning. Nothing was made that could be made without him. So Jesus made everything. And then Jesus chose to be created and chose in very self to be made. So he decided to limit himself to humanity's form. And he had every right to do whatever he wanted. He was God. As much as he was in human form, he was still 100% God. He could have called the angels and destroyed the whole human race. And he would have been in his very right to actually do that. He could have called all the angels down. But he considered himself nothing. And he became obedient to all the restrictions that humanity placed on him. Jesus even exposed himself to sin. And actually he exposed himself to sin that much that actually people like the Pharisees, the religious people of the day who thought they had it all together, but their hearts were nowhere near God. They were doing all the right actions. They actually said, called him a friend of sinners. That's how much he was around sin. All the mistakes that people were making around him, Jesus exposed himself to it all. Why? So he could show them the kingdom of God. So he could show them love. If you look at who he's actually preaching to in the Sermon on the Mount in Mark, or in Mark Matthew 5 and 6, he's talking to the everyday people. And he turns around to them basically and said, blessed are you when you do this, when you do that. When you... And then he says, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. He's saying that to everyday ordinary people. In other words, you can go and make a difference with your life by living the way you ought to, by acknowledging the kingdom of heaven in your life, acknowledging that God wants to work through you and in you. 
See, Jesus lived his life selflessly, not selfishly. Are you willing to live your life selflessly so that you can give yourself up to actually show love to others? Are you willing to humble yourself? Jesus did. And not having anything your own way so that God can move. And we can be united with God and with each other. Because if we're all serving God with one heart, if we're all serving God, going, God, come and make a difference. And if you can use me in any way, use me. Then we can see people transformed. See, that's the beauty of this. It's not, it's not rocket science. It's actually quite simple. Because the thing is, our feelings change, don't they? Sometimes we feel on top of the world. Ten minutes later, we feel like we're at the bottom of the barrel. We feel like giving up. We've all been there. But this is where we know the truth of God and that the truth of God set us free. Why? Because God says, I planned you when you were in your mother's womb. I know you. I knit you together. I dreamed dreams for your life. I've plans for your life. And we remember that even in the darkest hours, and that gives us the joy. We were talking about joy this morning. That gives us the joy to actually survive life, to get through life. So what happened to Jesus when he humbled himself? It says in verse 9, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, our lives are meant to be a sacrifice. We give our lives to God. We are meant to give it to God as an offering. Will you? Will you give your lives to God as an offering and say, use me, use me tonight, use me tomorrow? And the next day and the next day, every day, come to God afresh and say, God, use me today. What's stopping you tonight, either for the first time or the hundredth time, actually giving your life to God again and saying, God, come and use me? Are you willing to not have things your own way, so, but prefer God's way so God can move in your life? See, it's not easy following Jesus. It's the simplest decision you can ever make, but it's also the hardest. Because it's as simple as saying yes to God. But it's also as hard as saying yes to God. You see, God exalted Jesus and put everything under Jesus' control. Jesus humbled himself and he actually went to the cross. And then God lifted him up. And in the same way he wants to do us, do with us the same, we need to come to the cross and find forgiveness with God. When we find forgiveness with God and we repent, and we actually give our lives to God again, he takes it and he uses it. And actually it says that the name of Jesus is so powerful that at the name of Jesus, things change. That's, it says everything's going to submit to the name of Jesus. That's why when we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus, isn't it? Because we know at the name of Jesus, everything must buy. 
even Muslims admit and they agree to pray for healing in the name of Jesus because they know that people get healed when you pray in the name of Jesus. They will admit that. They, they call Jesus a healing prophet. They obviously don't believe he's the son of God the way we believe it as Christians. But Muslims acknowledge that there's something different about the name of Jesus. There's something different about that man. People get healed when you pray. So why then do we not humble ourselves? And why then would we not consider ourselves as nothing so God can move? Tonight I want to encourage you to give up everything for God. As I said, whether you've done it a hundred times before or whether you've never done it before, give up everything to God. Allow God to come in and allow him to place his hands in your life and direct your life and show you the plans he has for you. He's got so many plans. He's got so many dreams that he's dreamt up for your life. He's got so many things that he wants to um, do through you and in you. And all you need to do is just say, sorry, God, I'm not going to follow my own way anymore. I'm going to follow yours. And this has to be a daily thing. It has to be a continual thing. It's not just a one time, because sometimes we take back control in our own lives and we need to be constantly giving it back to God. That's what prayer is about. It's constantly giving God everything. We were talking about that this morning. We worry and we've got anxiety and that's us trying to take control of our own problems and understand things in our own mind. But prayer is the opposite. Prayer is us giving it to God and saying, God, I don't understand it. I can't control it, but you can. So here, have it all. And then we leave it with him and walk away. And then that brings joy in our life because we know God's got it. Allow yourselves to be broken before God. Allow yourselves to come to God as you are. He doesn't want and doesn't need squeaky clean people, thankfully. <laughs> Otherwise, probably none of us would be useful to God. But you know what? God uses the broken. God uses those who listen. God uses those who come to him with a broken heart. I love that story in the Bible with, about um, uh, the tax collector, I believe it is, and the um, Pharisee. The Phar they both come to pray. The Pharisee walks straight up to the front and in front of everyone declares aloud his prayers. And, this, and the tax collector sits at the back and beats his chest and goes, God, forgive me. And who went home in relationship with God? Who went home connected with God? The tax collector at the back, the broken person at the back who was beating themselves and just saying, God, I'm so sorry. There was no repentance. It was all a show for the man at the front, wasn't it? It was all a show for the Pharisee. But the rest, it was genuine connection. So I just want to encourage you, if you've never given yourself to God, do it tonight before you leave. If you have given yourself to God and maybe you've walked away from his plan and tried to take control yourself and you've got a lot of fear and worry and anxiety, give it all to God. Say sorry for taking control or trying to take control. Give it all back to God. If you're brokenhearted, give God your brokenness and allow him to heal it. If you're sick, give him your sickness. Allow him to transform it so it's not a, it's not a noose around your neck, but it liberates you to serve him. It's as simple as that.
It's simple to follow God. But it's so hard. Let's just pray. God, thank you so much that you do love us. Thank you so much that you do care for us. Thank you so much that you do challenge us not to think about ourselves, but to think about your plans. Not to try and take control of things ourselves, but to trust that you can take control. You promise to fight for us, God. You promise to lead us in your pathways. You promise that you have dreams for our life. You have hopes and purposes and plans that you want to happen in us. So God, may we all tonight turn to you and say, sorry, God. Sorry for trying to do things my way. Sorry for trying to do things my own way. But God, we trust in you and you alone. We trust in your ways. We trust in the hope that you freely give to us. So God, I thank you for everybody that's gathered here. And I pray that all of us will know the love of God tonight. All of us will know how much you love us. That you don't condemn us for our past. We can't change it. But if we give our past to you, God, you can take it and transform it and renew us and strengthen us and give us a hope and a future and plans and purposes that we never even dreamed we could possibly have. You've got work that you've planned for us to do, God, all to bring glory to your name, also that people can know you and know the love of God in their lives. So God, I pray that all of us will think like that. All of us will just submit to you. God, thank you for your love. Amen.